Hello! This is the 420 Reasons Why I Quit Drinking podcast. I'm your hostess with the most is Diane Gibbs, a.k.a. Doobie Die. This podcast is about the 420 Reasons Why I Quit Drinking. These are my stories of me drinking and drunking my way through 30 plus years of my life and how I finally found the freedom from alcohol and still being able to have fun. Hello and welcome back. Okay, this story is about my time behind bars and not as a bartender. So what I'm going to tell you about is me getting pulled over um, by the cops in East Lansing, Michigan. Here's a brief overview. Um, So it's my spring term of my freshman year at MSU. My cousin had come for a visit. I can't remember all the details, but what I do remember is that we had gone out for the evening and drinking was involved. Um, It was later that night, and I remembered that we needed to move her car. She had parked behind my dorm room, um, and MSU didn't allow overnight parking. So we had to move the car, and this is about what happened next. Okay, so um, this is the story. Um, it took, like I mentioned, it took place in East Lansing. It was my spring term of my freshman year. Um, I was living in Yakely Gilcrest. It was part of the older dorms on campus right off of Grand River. So, um, it wasn't deep in within the, um, MSU campus. Um, and it was happened to be the only girl dorm. How did I ever got landed in the girl dorm um, my freshman year? I'll never know. But I had a great experience, so I digress. So anyways, so my cousin came to visit me. She was finished with college, so she took a road trip. Uh, MSU got out later because MSU was on trimesters. It was a Wednesday, May 20th of 1987. And, you know, like, what kind of trouble were we going to find on a Wednesday? Um, I'm sure we started partying in the dorm room, drinking a couple beers. I had this thing that I would do with my roommate um, that we would play the 60-second club. So it started, um, we would do it because you only had, um, like, a few beers on hand. So you do a shot of beer every 60 seconds, and then you have to shake your head um, after you shoot it. And you do that until all your your um, beers are gone. Um, and then, like I said, I, we went out. I can't remember exactly what we did, but of course, it involved more alcohol. We probably just went across the street to the bars um, because it was so close and we had ID to do that. So it doesn't really matter where we went. What mattered was what then we did when we got back to the dorm room. We needed to move her car because she had parked behind there and overnight parking just wasn't allowed. So we jumped in the car to move it across the street real easy. But since we were in the car, I suggested we get a quick late night snack from Taco Bell, which was like a three minute drive. So it was no big deal. So we got up there, but there was no drive through. So we went inside Taco Bell to place our order and thought it might be the best if we stayed and ate our food there to maybe help with the alcohol absorption. 
But since it was late, they weren't allowing anyone to eat on site, not wanting any drunks and disorderly conduct, which I understand in the college town. So we took our food and left to make a mess somewhere else. So that's what we did. We drove off and we went headed back towards my um, dorm room to eat our tacos. So as I was approaching the dorm parking lot, I was like in the left-hand lane. Um, but then I decided last minute it was probably best if I go park the car um, before we went and ate the food. So I quickly changed the lanes without signaling and I moved right across two lanes. There wasn't much traffic, so I didn't think too much of it until I turned the corner. And then I saw these red and blue lights coming up behind me. I was getting pulled over. The cop said he pulled me over because I was swerving. And I said, well, I wasn't swerving. I was changing lanes to come over and park my car because I wasn't allowed to park behind my dorm. So that didn't really matter. He requested my ID and insurance and registration. And then he proceeded to ask me to get in the back of the cop car. Now I was like, what the heck? I remember sitting in the back of the car, cop car, like kind of freaking out, not knowing what was coming next. Like, was I gonna do a breathalyzer? Was I gonna have to go to jail? What the heck? Um, but for some funny reason, when I moved into the cop car, I brought my Taco Bell bag with me. Um, and glad that I did, because I was able to munch it down before he even noticed what I was doing. Um, then I remember taking the breathalyzer and then just sweating, 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 going, please, God, please, God, no, 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 I can't have, you know, a pit legal limit. Um, and I thought the food would help. So that's why I was glad that I was able to um, munch that down. Well, damn, if I didn't blow drunk. And which meant, so he had to take me away, leaving my cousin to fend for herself trying to find a parking spot and then having to get back into my dorm. Like, wow, what a really shitty situation this had become. Uh, so I had to leave her there. They hauled me in the way in the back of the police car and they took me to Mason, Michigan, which was not close, which is nowhere near. I'd never even been there. I wasn't even sure where it was. I was so worried about like, how was my cousin ever going to find me here? Like we, it wasn't during the time of GPS or anything, but anyways, it was just like a quite a long drive to get to where we were going to the jail. I'm like, why are we not just being in East Lansing? But they didn't have a place for a woman. So they take me to Mason. Um, it was horrible. It was late. And so we got there. Uh, they got me processed, cleaning out my pockets, getting fingerprinted, and my mugshot. Man, it was official and really, wow, this is big trouble. So next they brought me to a room with like all windows, like an interrogation room where everybody could see in and see out. Um, the room was quite bare. There was a thin gray mat on the floor um, and a metal toilet in the corner with no seat. They handed me a paper thin green blanket. Uh, I just was sat there in amazement or the, the predicament that I'd put myself in. 
Anyways, like I dove onto the floor and prayed I would just fall asleep. And it would just be tomorrow and I was getting out of there. I remember it being so cold and I was waking up just trying to get warm. I just was hoping that it would be morning soon. I kept my eyes shut until I heard some commotion, people talking, hoping maybe they were coming to release me. As I opened my eyes and popped my head up, I could see a line of women in orange suits lined up against the wall right outside of my glass room. I felt like they were all staring at me. I closed my eyes again, trying to hide. Maybe they wouldn't see me. But I wanted to get somebody's attention to find out when I was going to get released. I was just like praying to God that I would get out of there. I felt so shitty. It wasn't the hangover shitty, but it was the guilt and being ashamed. I was just like curled up uh, on the mat in that room. And I just was like, oh my gosh. I was thinking, like, what are these women here in these orange suits think of me? But then I'm like, why am I even caring about that? Because these are the ones, these ladies are in jail. I'm just here passing through, I, I hoped. So it seemed like ages before they made the arrangements to get me out. Um, but I was able to call my cousin who was back in my dorm room alone. And she had been waiting for me to call. She was freaking out, not sure if she needed to call somebody else to tell them what was going on. So um, she was able to ask for directions to get out to the jail. So, and like I said, it was 1987. So there wasn't anything like GPS or the internet to get directions. Um, but they were nice enough to give her a word and how to get there. Um, the other thing I remembered is that we were supposed to go to lunch that day with my cousin who lived in Lansing. Um, and wow, we did not want to tell her why I wasn't going to be able to make it. So... I just prayed I'd get out there soon enough. Um, I finally did get released mid-morning, and thank God my cousin found her way to the jail. And um, she got me out, and we went back to my dorm room and, like, showered to get ready for lunch. Um, and, man, I was so grateful that she was even there with me to pick me up. I remember that she felt really bad because she felt like it was her fault because it was her car. But, you know, it wasn't her fault at all. I mean, it would have happened. Uh, we were just trying to be responsible moving that car, but there was drinking involved. So, um, you know, we didn't want her to get a ticket. Uh, so, anyways, she was there with me during that part. So... Now that I got out of jail, what now? What was I supposed to do next? I needed an attorney. And just FYI for people, colleges offer, most of them, offer free legal services. And that was the word that I got. So I called the Associated Students of MSU Legal Services and explained my situation and... Um, they said I just needed to provide a complete detailed narrative of the events that happened and they were going to represent me. Um, interesting thing. They weren't able to 
I wasn't able to see them before, like I went to court. I don't understand why it was, but they told me what I needed to do. They gave me clear instructions. Um, I had to appear in court. We were going to request a trial, which would ultimately hopefully lead to a plea bargain from this OUIL, the, um, what is that? Um, under, over, under, ill, I don't even know. Um, and so we were just hoping, you know, that I was going to do some kind of plea bargain. So, um, and what they said, what would happen is that if I, um, so they were trying to charge me with a plea bargain and we were trying to get it down to a reckless driving. And what was really going to happen is if I was good and I didn't have any other violations within a certain time frame, it would actually get dismissed and it would get expunged off my record. Um, and so one good thing that I did for myself is that I really um, tried to behave and not do any like drinking and driving for that time period. And um, I was really fortunate that um, that was the case. I did something right for, uh, for once and I was able to follow through and not have any mishaps within the allotted time to get my OUIL um, charged to a reckless driving. Um, and you know, funny, I have my paperwork from when it happened. And so, like I said, I had gotten pulled over on my 20th of 1987. Then we went to a pretrial on June 16th. And then um, we made an appointment to come back after um, school's back in session in September, where I pled out um, to a reckless driving. Um, and that happened like in September um, 29th of that of 87, but it was my, now my fall term of my sophomore year. So gosh, I know there was probably some, um, fine, but I don't see any recollection of, of, of a fine that I had to pay. Um, I have to say that one thing that I was grateful for that was so helpful was to have the legal aid available at MSU. Um, that was a huge, huge benefit. Uh, and you always need to see if that is a possibility. If you happen to be younger and are in college, um, finding that legal support is really super important. Don't try to do anything on your own. Um, I'm so grateful that I was able to plead out and I didn't have that permanently on my record. Um, cause that would really have sucked. I don't recall if I told my parents, I'm thinking maybe, um, since I was able to get legal aid through MSU, I felt like I was off the hook from telling them because, you know, I had the help, the legal help that I needed right there and I didn't have to ask them for any. Um, so I, mom and dad, if you're listening and remember that, uh, we'll talk about it later. Um, and sorry, once again, for all the stuff that I used to do. Uh, like I said, I'm thankful that it was taken off my record. I, I hate to think that I was dishonest to my parents and not ever told them. Um, but back in those days, I felt like 
uh, I was trying to hide things from them and I didn't have the same relationship that I have with my parents now. I was so lucky it wasn't worse. Um, and you know, of course, the stupid thing was getting behind the wheel after I'd been drinking. I did it. I did it. I did it so many times. And I'm horrified by the amount of times that I did do it. Because I was thinking this is one of my first brushings with the law. Um, but we know that I um, had some other mishap with a um, car accident um, with some friends. And, um, and I got pulled over another time in East Grand Rapids and thought there could be a situation. But nothing escalated to this point. So, and you know, I don't mean for these stories at all to sound like I'm bragging because I kept on living this over and over and over. It wasn't like the same groundhog every day, but it was close. And, but it was, I mean, it was, it was close to a groundhog. It was just a different chaos of drinking um, all the time. Um, and I'm sure that, you know, with my cousin coming to visit me at Michigan State, it wasn't like we were going to go and cruise around campus and do like go to the union or go shopping. Every, the intention was always to do the drinking. It always involved drinking for me. Um, I know I did it with her because that was what we did in the summers. And I just thought that was the thing to do. I mean, you know, Michigan State was is, is known for being a huge party school. Um, you know, I felt like all we did was we partied all the time. As soon as I got there, um, even though I was in an all-girls dorm, we knew a bunch of people from East Grand Rapids. So we just went over to their place, over to their sorority or fraternities and partied. And, um, but you know, this was like what we did coming from East Grand Rapids. It was like how we functioned. This is how we grew up. That was my form of entertainment. And we didn't really do it any other way. And, you know, now, there is another way. I don't have to have my life revolved around drinking. Um, and it's interesting because I quit drinking over 10 years ago, but I've still been living in the party because my friend, I've stayed friends with all my people, majority of them, and they all continue. And I still wanted to um, participate in the stuff that they were doing, I was thinking I was going to miss out on the fun. But um, so going and hanging out with my friends, I just figure out how to do it differently. I always make sure I have um, all the um, NA beverages that I need. Uh, another thing, my friends, um, and it's nothing against them, but when you're drinking, you don't really necessarily want to eat. So I made sure I had food. I took care of myself and the supplies that I needed to be able to participate. I would go to the party early. I would get there before all the um, drinking would begin and try to get some of my socializing in then. And then I knew, like, after a certain time, it's time to go. I think good, uh, we'd always say, happens after, um, well, in college, it was after 
two o'clock, but then it went to midnight. And then nowadays it's like 10 or 11. So always finding an alternative was now my latest method and filling my time um, with something else rather than drinking was what I continued to seek after. And I was able to find many other forms of entertainment. Um, I could still hang out with my friends and do that stuff. Um, but also when I was making arrangements, I would try to put an activity into it. So it wasn't always just the drinking. It was something along with it, like going out for dinner, changing the party into a dinner so that you're going to get food involved. Um, so that is one of my coping mechanisms. Uh, the other thing that I find super helpful for me is journaling. And that is something I've been doing for the past, gosh, I started it in fifth grade with my teacher, Eric Schweinsker. I still have those journals and those notes from then. And, um, and then I've done it throughout the years. I've really been consistently journaling for like seven, eight years. Um, I just completed like my 21st journal. And um, so I really um, work on gratitude in my journals and things that I'm grateful for. I'm grateful that I'm sober. I'm grateful that I'm still friends with my friends and I'm able to, that I've been able to stay within the party. A lot of people um, have to give up their friendships because it's not beneficial for them anymore. I feel like I'm kind of unique and needed to stay in it um, because I didn't want to lose my friends. Um, and because our friendships go to, so deep and they have been for so long, I know that I'm not going to. I love and appreciate my friends and they help me making adjustments as well and um, accommodating the party life with me. Oh boy, it's not easy, you know, finding freedom from alcohol while the party still goes on. I want to continue to share these stories and how I did it. Um, as we go on, I'm going to give you tips and tools that I've used. So learning to find an alternative during the party and having like a little party kit of my own, um, knowing that I have supplies and knowing that I can leave at any time. And the other thing is the journaling. Uh, I'll share more about that because I have some really cool journals and uh, how it's really helped me. So thanks for being here and listening. And um, I'll talk to you next time. Thanks a bunch. As I think back over the years of my endless partying, I'm grateful for it to be over. I'm grateful to be free. I am grateful not to be concerned when I'm waking up, feeling anxious, wondering how the night ended, how I got home. How stupid had I been or had I been daring enough to drive? Man, there was so much. I always felt like a wreck in the morning. Scared to talk to people, afraid for what I'd said or done. 
I believe God's protection was with me always from the countless prayers of my parents prayed over my life always. I feel so fortunate I have been able to recognize how tired I was of the story. The guilt and the never-ending battle with booze. So thanks for being here and listening. This is just another one of the 420 reasons why I needed to quit drinking. You can find me in the 420 Reasons Why I Quit Drinking podcast on Spotify, Apple, Anchor. Please do me a favor. Make sure you subscribe. I'd greatly appreciate it too if maybe you leave a review or even share with a friend. Thanks again. We'll talk soon. This is Diane Gibbs and the 420 Reasons Why I Quit Drinking podcast. Until next time. Later.